0: Welcome, thanks for joining us today, so glad you've tuned in. If this is your first time, we want to say a special welcome to you and say thanks for checking us out and glad you found us. And we certainly hope it won't be your last time, but you could do us a favor if you would click on the digital connection card up here in the corner and just let us know who you are and you can leave a prayer request or if there's a question you might have that we could help answer, we'd be delighted to do that. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and are glad you too have found time to be part of this weekend experience couple things we want to share. One, we were excited last week to get a report from our friends at uh, Samaritan's Purse to let us know about Operation Christmas Child and the shoebox program, and we got a report back on where our boxes went. Check out this map. You can see, I just am so encouraged that here we are in Mansfield, Ohio, and the boxes got uh, taken out to Ontario to uh, Delivery Point there, and then they were all boxed up and sent to Boone, North Carolina, where they were sorted, and then they shipped them off to all over the world. And you can see Guatemala, uh, a couple places that they couldn't tell us other than it was a hard to reach. It's amazing to me how the gospel and the love of Jesus can be shared globally, even from a small church in Mansfield, Ohio. So just wanted to celebrate that and take joy in what God's doing and in, in through our efforts there. I want to also share had an opportunity this week to sit with other pastors from around the town. Just hear from Mayor Thieker. Uh, Tim Theker is serving in his final and 12th year as mayor of the city. And each January he is gathered with area pastors to answer any questions we might have. And then we always wrap up the time together with a time of prayer over him and his administration. It was encouraging to hear from him. Just all that he has seen done, and his gratitude for the prayers that he's received. And one area that he shared specifically that he was grateful for the prayer was last year they had a real issue with us being able to staff out the uh, police department. Uh, Last year they only had 55, and the city code allows for 79. And over the last year, through just all sorts of good work, and I believe prayer too, and he did, as well as the other pastors, we celebrated that they are just right now, at sixty-nine, not quite where they want to be, but really believes that those additional police officers have come to them because of uh, God's people praying. So, I want to celebrate that too. That God's always in the middle of the the details. We're in the fourth week of our series, "Winning the War in Your Mind." I'm using a book that was released last year by Pastor Craig Rochelle of Life Church, by the same title. And as we've talked over these last number of weeks, we know that the the battles that all of us fight, that they're won and lost in our mind, mostly. And if we want a positive life, we need to have positive thoughts, not negative thoughts. And that's the problem, right? That's the rub. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be honest in my own story. Every day, I have runaway thoughts, all these irrational worries that just steal my joy. I bet you can relate to that. Last week, as I came to church, I got here early enough before the snow came, and walked in the building, and as soon as I stepped in, I knew something wasn't quite right. noticed that the temperature inside the door was was a little chillier than I was used to. And I also noticed that the sound I usually hear of the boiler cranking away downstairs, that I didn't hear that either. And I became concerned as I walked down the steps. Sure enough, uh, crickets. Sure enough, as I put my hand on the boiler, it had been cold for a while. And as I leaned in to try to understand that, uh, all sorts of things popped into my head of just anxiety and, and worry about this is not going to be cheap to get fixed. Well, then as I leaned into it even more, found out that, it's, that it was one of the pumps that went bad, actually shorted out. So now we have to replace the pump. But I can tell you that over the next 24 hours until I had some resolution, I was concerned. I, I remember waking up several times on Monday morning, knowing that we were going to have a repairman come in on on Monday. Still, I was concerned, will the building be warm enough? We were able to create a workaround and seemed like one pump was working but we weren't sure that was sufficient. And that's a lot of detail but I just want to share that every day we lean into things just like that that we're not expecting and that can bring about all sorts of irrational worries. It can really take our minds and hijack our thoughts in a whole different way. We get worried about so many things. Think about your journey to adulthood as a young person coming out of high school and whether or not you'll get good grades and then going into college and what kind of job you're going to get and what kind of relationship you'll be in and will you get married or won't you get married or how will your kids turn out and will your kids need braces and if your kids need braces will you have the money to afford the braces but if you do the braces will you be able to afford to send them to college and and if you don't send them to college will they make bad choices and end up Uh, becoming part of the prison system. I mean, it's just all those kinds of things that can just go like, oh my, right? And so when we look at these things, uh, we need to go back to scripture and that's what will settle us down and help us focus in on what is right and true and will give us a perspective. We're going to look at the apostle Paul and his writings, particularly to the church at Philippi. And we know that life is complicated for Paul in the context he's writing to us from prison. And yet, what does he say here in in chapter 4, verse 6? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, and the God of peace will be with you. Well, you just think about that. That's Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Now, that idea of the God of peace, even the idea of peace will be with us, you think about that, the God of peace, or in many of our traditional churches over the years, that phrase, Uh, May the peace of God be with you, or may peace be with you, or peace be with you would be a phrase many times we would use within the greeting time as we would come together to worship. So this week we're going to talk about worry and anxiety and the human mind. Now we've said before in the last couple of weeks this big idea that your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, and that's great if it's good news because it means that things are good but it's bad news if your thoughts are negative. And I have to admit, this is a little bit above my pay grade, but I've done some research, so I think I understand it to some degree. In your brain, your human brain, there is a little almond-shaped portion that's called the amygdala. And it's the part of the brain that is wired for your survival. We need it. It's where the idea of fight or flight takes place, when we have to make a decision whether we're gonna stand and deal with it or we're gonna run away. When we encounter danger, it's the amygdala that kicks in and it sends a signal, a strong dose of adrenaline to be able to do whatever needs to happen, to run or to stand in and fight, whatever it might be. For example, if you see a snake, you know what's your attitude? I don't like snakes uh, and usually I will go in the opposite direction. If you're in the car, it's that thing that, that causes you to move in the other direction, to try to get out of harm's way. But here's the problem, the amygdala It's not objective. It is hardwired to do one thing, and that's to protect. It's what triggers the the chemistry to help you do whatever you need to do. Now, the amygdala gets a help in its process through what's called the prefrontal cortex. And I'll admit, I'm way above my pay grade on this stuff. But I do understand and, and know that it's the logic part of our brain. It's the part that takes the immediate emotion that the amygdala is processing and helps us process what's going on. And let me give you an example. What I mean by that is that if you're asleep in bed and you hear a noise at night, the amygdala is what gets, wakes you up and says, oh, we're in trouble. We're all going to die. Well, it's the prefrontal cortex then that basically helps you process through and realize, oh, no, no, it's just the cat or it's the dog or it's the neighbor starting his car. Uh, that it's not something that's going to put you in harm's way. And we need to understand that it's the amygdala that just responds based upon its uh, pre-programming. There are things that we encounter through life. It's the people and the places and the events, even the news, that will trigger deep feelings in us, feelings of fear and anxiety. And so it's what's interesting here. Paul, you got to be reminded, uh, he's writing from prison, right? And he says in Philippians chapter 4, we just read it, what? He says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious. Well, put a footnote on that, and the truth is, what's he saying? Well, he's saying, don't be anxious about anything, whether it's the big test or it's the church's boiler pump going bad. There shouldn't be any anxiety over any of this. Or maybe it's a job interview, or maybe it's financial fears. Put whatever you want to by that, and it's like there's anything. Uh, We're not supposed to be anxious about any of that. But he says, goes on, which means we need to stop based on that previous statement and move in a different direction. And what does he say? In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Now, what's he talking about here? Well, he's talking about prayer, right? And and we've talked about this before. And it's funny how in some circumstances, our attitude is like, well, I I guess it's come to this. All we can do is pray. Well, it's interesting when we think about the science of the human brain, we're going to see here in a moment that prayer can be a powerful thing and that prayer isn't our last defense, the last line that we sort of lay out. It's actually the first line of offense that we need to move with. We're told in the book of Hebrews that we are to boldly come before the throne of grace to inquire of God, our Heavenly Father. Or in the book of James, we're reminded that we don't have something because we haven't asked. Now, here's a statement that Craig says in the book that I think is helpful. He says, not only does prayer move the heart of God, but prayer also changes the chemistry in your brain. And I thought that was really fascinating because I know for decades neurologists believed that the brain didn't change after adolescence, that once somebody became of age, that that sort of your brain ended up stopping uh, maturing at that point. And we found out through science that the brain is this amazing organ in our heads that is continually changing, that it's continually rewiring. In fact, we talked last couple of weeks about the neural pathways. And how to readdress those, to actually rewire ourselves by uh, creating habits and talked about how God's word is an important part of that. And as I understand it, the big term for all this is called neuroplasticity. There's actually all sorts of supplements that people advertise all the time on TV about, about how to do that, about how to help your brain be more focused and to help rewire some aspects of it. But I didn't realize that there was also some other areas of study, not only this idea of neuroplasticity, but there's also a thing called neurotheology, or it's also known as spiritual neuroscience. I'm fascinated by this, that studies, and what spiritual neuroscience does is it studies the relationship between the brain and our belief in God. Now, the statement I want to be clear about is that the prayer changes your brain. Uh, That's, I think, an important thing for us to understand. That's why we pray. And it's interesting in the book, Switch on Your Brain, written by Dr. Carolyn Leaf. She says, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain so much an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. That is amazing. And so when we think about these things, literally the things that we think about, that the other can be just equally true, is that, that it is, can be just as toxic that our negative thoughts can hurt our brain. And that the beautiful thing is, she's showing here, that the science of our brains is that when we lean into prayer and intentionally seeking God, that prayer can heal our brains, that prayer can transform us, and as Paul reminds us, it can literally renew our minds. So the question then comes, why is it that we worry? Why is it that we panic? Why is it that we experience anxiety? There's a lot of reasons. Uh, the science would tell us that it's what they call an amygdala hijack, is basically you've got to just save yourself, that there's something going on, and you just have to move in a different direction. And so that's what the amygdala is telling you. you got to either stand and fight or flight, run away. Now, the truth is, from a scriptural standpoint, God would tell us the reason why we deal with worry and we deal with panic and we deal with anxiety is because our mind is dominated by sinful thinking. We're broken people, and therefore our thoughts are broken. Now, let me ask this. What is worry? Well, one definition that Craig uses is this, that worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and power of God. Ouch. Or basically saying, God, I don't trust you to deal with whatever circumstance you're in. So what's really important here is what I want us to see as we're thinking about winning this battle in our minds. First of all, we need to, instead of letting our sinful nature control our minds, we need to choose to let the Holy Spirit direct our thinking. And that we need to lean into the logical part of our brain to choose what is spiritual. Paul is helpful here, too, as he writes in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. That's Romans, chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Again, we're reminded, right? We've seen this a number of times. Paul says, take every thought captive— and so what he wants us to do, I think, is simply this, is to take that prefrontal cortex of ours and allow it to grab our amygdala by the tail and to give all that we're experiencing to God. And so we give it to God. Well, how do we do that? Well, here's a practical way of showing you this. Um, we take the worries that we're experiencing, right? And we, as we take them, we take them and put them in the God box. We take our worries and we give them to God. As we're processing through it, whatever may come to the course of the day. And yet, I think part of the problem is that we have, part of the difficulties that we lean into is that sometimes our worries are bigger than our God. And so let's just change that up. What we need to do is to realize that our God is a much bigger God and to help us process through whatever we might be experiencing, that we can trust God with our health and our future that we can take our cares and we can cast them on him, that we do that because we know that he cares for us and that we know, too, that our life is to be hidden in him, that we give our whole life to God, that that's part of the process. And I think there's that adage, and I really couldn't find who it's been credited to, the quote of, you know, to pray like it depends upon God and then to work like it depends upon us. And what I think, and it's an even interesting this week, I had a conversation with a young man in jail, and he just said to me, you know, how do you know if God answers prayer? Why won't God answer my prayer? And I had to push a little bit to say, well, you've got to stop making bad choices. And again, to know this young man's story, it's complicated. And there's all sorts of things there that he's learned in bad sorts of way. And we talked a little bit about neural pathways and redirecting his thoughts and creating better habits and to rewrite his story. But we begin first with this idea that we do what we can do uh, that we we do all the right things we all know that student who uh, wants to get the a on the test right uh, but they haven't studied for it well god's not going to show up in that regard. and so for each of us if we want god to be a part of our lives in a healthy way we have to do our part we have a responsibility and and so if we we want to be healthy we have to eat right we have to study god's word We have to budget our finances and our time. There's all sorts of things. And then what we have to do is give our worries to God, to literally take our worries each day and give them to God and to move them into that understanding. And it might be even something that you want to create this kind of a a God box at your home to help remind you a prayer box each day, literally to take some Post-it notes and keep them close by and and to put them in. But then you also need to be reminded that we need to, sort of this third idea, you do what you can. You give God what you can't do, and then you trust Him no matter what. And if there's a moment that you're gonna say, well, I don't trust you, maybe you ought to take that promise back out of the God box and hang on to it for yourself to give you a real understanding of what you're doing when we worry and when we show anxiety and when we don't trust God. And yet we know these promises of Scripture, to have a mind that's peaceful, to live a life full of joy, And so part of what we have to do is imagine, right, that we want a heart that's at peace, that we want a life filled with joy, that we want peace in our minds, and we want to trust God. Now, the reality in all these things is that it's possible, but it's also a choice. It's about us being intentional, about, uh, for example, studying God's Word, about taking and committing to reading God's Word on a daily basis and studying His Word so that we can uh, mature and grow in our faith with Jesus. Now, let's do a little bit of review of where we've been over the last couple of weeks to, just to help process this through a little bit more. We've said that your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, right? But I did ask you this question, and I'll ask it again today: is that do you like the direction your thoughts are taking you? Are you moving in the direction that you think God wants you to move? And I have to admit, in my own journey, there are moments when I just want to take my worries and I want to make them as big as possible. I want to make them much bigger than who my God is. But that's not how I need to do life. I need to do life to understand that my God is big enough to handle anything that's going to come at me. And the reason why we do that is because we need to also understand that as we make these decisions each day, that if we don't control what we think, we're never going to be able to control what we do and our actions should reflect how we think about life each day. And you remember we said in week two that the way we do this is that we need to identify the truths that are there in Scripture for us, and we need to write them down, and we need to think about them, and then we need to confess that we need to work on them more, and we need to do that on repeat until it becomes part of our ingrained processes becomes part of our neural pathways, if you will. It becomes part of our habits of being fully devoted followers of Jesus. Each of those things that we think about go back to week two when I talked about uh, the statements, the declarations that we made, and to remind you who you are in Christ as a child of the great King, to be reminded of what you have because of what Christ has accomplished for us, for you and for me. And sometimes we have to do exactly that, is to write it, to think it, to confess it, and to believe it, to declare what's true about who we are. That you are strong and mighty, that you have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwelling inside of you, that you are a weapon of righteousness in a world of darkness. That you are not your past, that you are not what you did, that you are who God says you are. He says you are forgiven. He says you are redeemed. He says you are free. that you are not a hostage to your unhealthy thoughts. The weapons you fight with are not the weapons of this world. You have divine power to demolish strongholds. You have the mind of Christ directing your thoughts. You have the Word of God guiding your steps. Worry is not your master. You trust in God. His peace guards your heart, guards your mind, and guards your soul in Christ Jesus. Your God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. The Lord is your helper. You will not be afraid. You are not a slave to your habits. You are not a prisoner to an addiction. You have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's light. Your God will bless you abundantly, so that in all things and at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Nothing can separate you from God's love, not death, not demons, not the present, Not the past. No power on earth will ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, again, we think about this too is that we can't control what happens to us, right? We can only control how we frame it. And we said this last week, and I think this is really a powerful statement is that we aren't interpreting God through our circumstances. Rather, we're interpreting our circumstances through the goodness of God. And this is an area where I struggle, is that we need to cover everything we do in prayer. Too many times, we want to just get out in front of God. And yet, prayer should not be our last resort, it should be our first line of defense. And to sum it up, Paul says to us that we're not going to be anxious about anything, that in everything, everything, all things, y'all, is that we're gonna be in prayer and petition, that we're gonna bring it all before our Heavenly Father who loves us as a request for Him. And then we're promised that the peace of God will take and will transcend all that we understand. And what'll come from that is that we're able to guard our hearts and guard our minds. This much we know to be true, is that if we want to push through the battle of the war in our minds, that we have to depend upon God's power, our big God, to help us win that war, to empower us to win the war through what Christ has done for us. You see, once we know the truth, we will be set free. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for that truth. Thank you, Jesus, that you've rescued us. And help us see in each day how big you are and how small our worries are compared to you. And help us give them to you and not take them back thank you for your Holy Spirit. We pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can find freedom in all things. And we thank you, Jesus, for the life you've given us. And we pray it in your strong name. Amen.